Hello and welcome to the fourth ever episode of Avoidance Issues. I'm your host, Adam Grabowski, and I am staring at a dog that's definitely loose in a yard. That's that's what my life has come to during this quarantine. I, I'm I'm just staring out a window. This is a wonderful start. I want to thank you guys for listening so far, and I'm sorry for seeing you guys. I want to thank y'all for listening thus far. It's been very helpful for me to talk to you and myself each and every day. It's it's incredible how different it feels when you think someone is listening to what you're saying versus when you're talking to yourself. I have uh, tried positive affirmations only a little bit, and I do get in my own head about doing them, but that's not enough of an excuse. It just seems a little odd that I'm talking to myself, but I've definitely talked to myself through different situations. There's one scenario in my life where I distinctly remember talking myself through it. I was in Costa Rica. This is one of the first times I really traveled abroad far and just on my own. I just went solo and I was doing a zip line and the zip line was so high off the ground. It was like half a mile in the air. There's no way it could be, it could have been half a mile. That seems pretty long it was so it was so high in the air that um i eventually was in the clouds and above them and i lost sight of the earth and it was a very long one see i know the length of it was at least a mile and the entire time going through it i uh, my eyes are watering because we're going so fast and the wind is blasting through me and i just kept saying to myself you're okay you're okay you're okay you're okay you're okay oh there's no ground you're okay it was fun it was fun now that i think about it I could not fake my fear, and I could not fake playing it cool right there. I know nobody was there to view it, but even for myself, I could not fake not being anxious and nervous about the fact that I was so high up, the ground was no longer in visibility, and I was just on a wire. I was just on a wire. I'm not nervous flying. I I remember when I was first nervous flying. And I'm not nervous flying at all anymore. That's like one of the only places I can nap is on an airplane. I mean, not anymore because I assume every breath that I take is going to infect me with COVID-19 and I'm not actually allowed to travel anymore because it should be only essential travel and all of my work has been canceled. But you know what? We don't, we don't need to, we don't need to, uh, we don't need to focus on that. We don't need to, we don't need to focus on that. I think I like the the rumbles of the airplane and the fact that I don't have any cell service, which makes me just stay focused. I I don't have any cell service, so I have to stay just there. I I can't be distracting myself by constantly checking a different app or constantly beginning a piece of communication with somebody via text or otherwise, and that may be where the calmness comes from. The worst thing ever was when I had enough status with Southwest that they gave me free Wi-Fi on every flight. Which, by the way, I've had a companion pass status where I've been able to list someone as my companion and they can fly with me for free on Southwest for like six years. I've had that, but only one year did I spend enough money and fly enough to get free Wi-Fi, which is so funny because that seems extremely backwards. It seems extremely backwards. Uh, One thing that I did find, though, is on Delta flights, I'm able to get like half an hour or a free hour of Wi-Fi. Because it's supposed to be for any T-Mobile user, but you don't actually have to have T-Mobile. You just put in a phone number of somebody who has T-Mobile. So shout out to my buddy Chris who uses T-Mobile. I just type his phone number in and they let me use the Wi-Fi for an hour on every Delta flight. 
And uh, yes, Chris, I do only look up the worst conceivable things on the internet when I'm on a Delta flight, just in case they want to tie it back to your number. I basically just look up like Sprint and Verizon guy porn. That's what I look up. And just all these different things like, can I switch from T-Mobile to Sprint? And how do you tell T-Mobile that you're cheating on them with Verizon? And do you think like Sprint will be into it if I invited Verizon over and like never told T-Mobile and we all just like got together? That's what I looked up on there. That's a really long Google search, but whatever, shut up. It's fine. What was I talking about? I don't even know. I had a good episode of Say It Anyway Sunday, which is the weekly interview that I do on Instagram Live. I also streamed it on Facebook and YouTube, and it was very interesting because Instagram is owned by Facebook, but they do not want the Instagram Live user face to be uh, accessible with other types of cameras besides your phone. If you ever look at Instagram on your Safari or Chrome or whatever web browser you use, if you ever look at Instagram on your laptop, you'll see that they don't have it formatted well and they don't want you to look at it on your computer. They want it to be the app only. So they want you to only use Instagram Live through the app. That's what they want for you. And because of that, I had my DSLR hooked up to my laptop, streaming to Facebook and YouTube, and at the same time, I had my suction cup uh, from my car set up so that my phone could be facing me, and I was recording on two different things. So it was, a, it was extremely distracting. I wish it could have just been a one-camera situation where I didn't even have to look at other stuff, but this is the best type of situation. There is no camera involved. You don't know what I'm wearing. You can guess. I won't hear you guessing. I really do hope that what I'm talking about resonates with people. I shouldn't focus on that too much, but this is called first thought, best thought. At the end of my interview yesterday, I now ask my guests to give me a challenge, and my challenge was I have to write a poem and recite it at the beginning of the next episode. And I don't know what type of poem I'm going to do, if I'm going to do something that rhymes or if I'm going to do something that is free form. I mean, I could take an easy cop out and just roses are red, violets are dumb, you know. This took about two seconds. I typed with my thumbs. I could have done that, but that's that's horrible, and nobody deserves that. My episode yesterday, the fourth ever episode. Oh, no. Is this the fifth? Yeah, this is the fifth episode. Oops, I started my intro wrong. Oh, well. The one that I recorded yesterday is really good. It talks about how everything's made up and the points don't matter. And I'm still trying to remind myself of that today. It's very, very difficult to not get caught up in my worth being determined by the capitalist society and platform that we are a part of. You know, if I, if I get a lot of viewers or if I get a lot of fans or if I make money at it, then I am doing the good. That's one thing that's the problem. We think that because we're making money, we're doing good. And I don't, that's not always the case. So many people make money and they don't contribute in a way that is positive whatsoever. You know, you, you, you could think you could make a, a pill that helps cure cancer and sell it for a dollar and that's you being a good person. Or you could sell it for a thousand dollars a pill and that's you being a good business person. 
being a good business person is sometimes like innately the opposite of being a good person. Not that all business is in and of itself exploitative, but sometimes it is. It can be. I mean, if you're providing something that helps people and they want it and they want to pay for it, that seems pretty straightforward. Although if you were to accrue so much wealth yourself and there's such income inequality amongst other people, that still is unfair in and of itself. It doesn't really matter the means to which you got it. That level of major massive imbalance is uh, not okay. Like to think one person is worth like, you know, $50 billion or like a Mike Bloomberg worth like 50 something billion and and what how many people could that help feed and shelter you know and then this one person gets to decide what they want to do with it so it seems a little unfair in that regard i'm not saying we should go ahead and just robin hood them but we should definitely legally robin hood them for sure oh man i say all this but then i'm also not one person writing legislation to help so do i have any room to talk i guess so I think we all have room to talk, especially if what we want is for the betterment of others. What's on my mind right now is that in my pod, in my interview yesterday, I was talking with a friend, Hannah Blum, or Hannah Bloom, however she wants to pronounce it. There's two different pronunciations. And we were discussing the term broken. And I want to I wanna circle back on that now in my own mind. I think a lot of times when we're referring to broken we have this idea that it's something that is either unfixable or needs to be fixed and i find it maybe sometimes problematic if we call people broken assuming that there's a way that they're supposed to be and the way that they are is that but something bad happened i don't know it's also good to own the word broken and to say, yeah, I'm kind of broken in these regards, but I'm okay. So I don't know, maybe I'm being too too analytical about it, but I think we shouldn't call people broken unless it's something that's like unforgivable and you can't take back. Like a 73-year-old Trump really seems like he's never going to, change or become empathetic or sympathetic or understanding or care about other people or forgiving or thoughtful or contemplative or unable to lie so maybe in that regard that that person's broken i don't know i don't like the idea that there is a normal i don't know The reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm somebody that's considered to have attention deficit disorders or ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And I don't really, like, I think it's worthwhile to have the categorization of ADD so we can help understand people and how they function. But I also don't know if that is, like, a disorder. I think some other ones may be deemed more of a disorder, but maybe... Maybe that's just how people function. Like I've always thought about how the current world that we live in, where we're supposed to sit potentially at a computer or a desk or work on something with mega focus that's not physical, like we're not physically building or hunting or running or jumping or or, 
or cooking or doing something like that, our, our focus on a computer or to be able to sit for such a long period of time, I, it's, it's needed in our current society, but I don't think it's needed instinctually in animals or in humans in the way that we are animals. So whenever I think about ADD, I think about rabbits, like the rabbits that don't have ADD, like probably die sooner than the other ones. Like the ones that could just sit there and not do anything and aren't looking for predators and aren't constantly looking for food and aren't constantly moving around. I think that those with their heads not on a swivel probably aren't going to live as long. So it's all really subjective to our environment, whether or not these things are considered disorders. But I guess that's why we have the categorization because we do want to explain why humans have issues living within our current society. Man, I think we have too much time to talk and think. You know, I don't know if that's even good. <laughs> As I have a podcast right now where I want you to listen and I want to talk about the difficult parts of life, I don't know if it's even that good that we have this much time to sit and, and, and contemplate. I think we need more daily tasks. And saying that, some of my friends would be like, shut up, you don't have kids. <laughs> that's why you don't have as many daily tasks. And you're right. You're right. A lot of the time I wonder if what we end up doing, like a lot of the things that I end up doing for fulfillment or in my life, I wonder, is it me just putting off the inevitable instinctual drive that's in me for purpose and isn't the most innate purpose having children? But it doesn't have to be that I have to live that out. It's just definitely an instinct in many humans. I mean, the humans that didn't really have that instinct didn't really make as many kids or didn't have that instant purpose. I think I'm really stuck on purpose right now because during these this, this quarantine time, the stay-at-home order, um, when we're not exactly sure what we're going to be able to do for work or if we're ever going to be able to do live performances again with audiences in the same way that we used to, it makes me feel uh, a little purposeless because that's what I put a lot of my time into was travel and meeting people and talking to people and performing for people. And that is what I found purpose in. And I know that when you have children or a family or a partner that you are, you're in it, you're in it with, you're, you're in this together, then you have straight up purpose each day. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't also deal with existential crises or you can't also contemplate your purpose or existence or how you fit within this world. I'm just saying that if you do have children or a partner like that, like you you do have some innate purpose right there. And, you know, I hope you would turn to that when you are looking for ways in which to function regularly or in a way that can be healthy or normal for you i don't know i can never understand the people that have kids and like don't see them i I don't understand that i mean unless i have a kid out there that i never met but that's not on me that's on someone for not informing me i'm just kidding that would be i'm not gonna blame them but they don't exist i don't think why do i gotta think this way girls you at least always know if you're if you had a kid you know there's that I don't know why I just flipped this on women. There's so much more you have to deal with. 
being a woman. There's so much more. Um, actually, I think one of the things that that I feel and think that's a little uh, against the grain, not what a lot of guys think, is um, I'm always, I remember being so vastly afraid of sex when I was younger because I was like, well, if anyone got pregnant, I'm not in charge. Like I was so afraid because I wouldn't be in charge of the child. And like, I, I, I would, it made me super cautious. Cause I'm like, I have to make sure that every single person that I would ever be with ever would be the most contemplative and, uh, safe m- mother and parent, because I'm not the one that would be pregnant. I remember thinking that I still think that way if it comes to actually having children, but I'm not as, uh, I'm not as, not as wild about it. I, I do have an understanding that you can uh, behave in ways where you can enjoy yourself, but not also produce a child in the process every time. I, like when I was younger, I just had this idea that like, nope, sex equals babies. That's just what it equals right away, no matter what. So uh, I keep, I, whenever, whenever I bring up the making of babies, I always think of this one comedian, uh, Pete Lee, I, I don't remember how he does this joke, but the analogy is basically like, it's funny when people are pregnant and then they say, I don't know how this happened. How could this have happened? He's like, you know how it happened. He's like, there's only one way. Like you don't put cake batter in an oven and then be like, oh my God, I don't know how this happened, but we just made a cake. And I love using that analogy all the time. I'm like, yeah, don't put the batter in the oven. Throw it on the stove. Throw it on the fridge. Keep it in a bag. Toss it wherever you want. Throw it in the garbage. Who cares? Eat the batter. Just don't put it in the oven, and then you don't make a cake. That's it. Put it in a drawer. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to think too, too far into that analogy. I don't remember the overall point of this. I have so much more focus on the days when it is sunny out. Right now it is gloomy and just like starting to rain and then not raining and then starting to rain and then not rain. Either way, I just want everyone to know that there is a purpose to your actions if you can do something that is for other people in your daily life. If you are helping keep any family or friends or yourself okay healthy, sane during this time period, then you're, you have a purpose. If you are legitimately helping somebody by providing food or doing labor or caring for somebody, or you're in the, the, you're an essential worker and you're helping the, the, uh, the world run and the, the supply chain take place, then you have something to hang your hat on. I just, I really, Really, I'm wondering how we are going to redesign purpose once we are able to get back to going to work in different ways. Hopefully, this podcast brings me purpose and it brings you companionship, insight, and a little bit of humor. I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for listening to Avoidance Issues. I think I got to go write a poem. Bye.